apprehended as you arrived. Psalm 2, page 525 of the Bibles. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Such is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Keith. Our gracious Father, as we come to your word, we pray that you would help us, encourage us, uh, lift our hearts, uh, correct us, uh, help us to rejoice in your truth, to be corrected in, your, in our ways, to be entrusted with the truth you give us. For Christ Jesus' sake, we people from error. Uh, Psalm 2 is pretty much after Psalm 1, I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> and we did Psalm 1 last week. We're not doing Psalm 3 next week, sorry about that. But uh, it seems to continue. Uh, Psalm 1 is often seen as an introduction to the Psalms. Psalm 2 also seems to provide some introduction. I don't. Many people don't argue for that but it does seem to be in a little bit of the same vein of giving you a way of framing how all psalms commence and are to be seen. So in the, the central thing in this psalm is a couple of things, but one of them is astonishment. Astonishment at the fact that there can be rebellion which is chapter 1, verse three, uh, sorry, verses 1 to 3. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. 
Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. Uh, do you know what a fetter is? It's not cheese, apparently. What is it? It's the ties that binds the... that holds the... The what? Because it goes to the hole. It holds the, the cattle. Is that it? The fetters? Is that what a fetter is, Phil? No? You've been in the country. You taught there. Okay. No one knows what a fetter is. I'm in the wrong place. Uh, well, we, we know what it is. They're throwing off those things that guide them, lead them, that actually keeps them in order. That's what they want to do. And so last week there was this word in Psalm 1 that meant meditate. That same word is here in Psalm 2, but it's negative. And so when people are gathering together, murmuring to themselves, what are they doing? They're plotting. That's the sense of the word here. They are plotting to overthrow. And that's the astonishment. The astonishment it could be that anyone could overthrow God. People are murmuring to themselves, plotting, they're showing a discontent, they're planning a mutiny. A mutiny against the Lord, the one who is also introduced as controlling all things, but also his anointed one, his chosen representative, who carries God's full endorsement. So the psalm is astonished that something like, in this sense, the kings who are so weak could come up with a scheme to overthrow the living God. Now, again, this is poetry, and you understand how poetry works. It's not meant to be literal as such, although it does take on a literal sense in a way because of God's representative, but we'll get to that in a second. So God responds in verses 4 to 6. If that's the strange, astonishing situation, how does he respond? Well, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. He scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. God's response is, it really is pretentious of you. It really doesn't make any sense to me. And it's of no real challenge to me. They think they have the ability to overthrow God. And that is given the ridiculous scenario here. It's meant to be painted as ridiculous. God responds in a rebuke a reprimand, and when God responds like that, it's terrifying. And there is an element of that in Psalm 2. If God is the one who made all things, God is in charge, he is majestic and powerful and mighty and the creator of all, directing them in his ways to go against him, he will respond in a way wrathfully that's a word. He's angry. Not only is he scoffing, but he is angry. And it's 
notice he's also saying he has responded by appointing his anointed one. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. You want to challenge me? You want to take over the world? I've already put someone who is going to run our world. This one sits in God's full authority and we're about to hear him speak in the next three verses. He sits on God's holy Zion, God's heavenly throne and that's thought to be the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was where Israel saw God rule. The temple was a symbol of his presence and power. And so God's earthly representative, his king, sits on that throne, God's throne. And then he speaks in verses 7 to 9. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord, he said to me. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession, and you will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. So notice the change in voice in verses 7 to 9. So he went from the situation in verses 1 to 3. He went from God speaks in verses 4 to 6. Now in verses 7 to 9, we change a voice to the authority representative, the God's chosen king. And he says, as we see, you said to me, you are my son. It's an incredible picture of how powerful God's chosen representative is. He is given the rights of God himself. All honour, possessions, all authority are his. He has inherited it all. This king is all powerful. It's an awesome picture of might and power of God and his appointed king. And so the rebellious kings want to overthrow this rule. They want to withdraw from God's, let's say, commonwealth. Do you like that word, commonwealth? Anyone remember commonwealth? Do you remember when uh, Paul Keating was a representative for the Republican movement? He was pro could have been even prime minister. If he wasn't prime minister, he might have been treasurer. And he put forward the idea, let's become a Republican. Suddenly there was this idea that we were going to get away from the Commonwealth. And I'm not sure what your views are. I'm a bit of a uh, royalist myself, but that's another story. Um, there was this whole sense of who is this person, Paul Keating, and who are these people, which became Malcolm Turnbull, who led this as part of it, who are these people who are trying to overthrow the Commonwealth? That which we belong to and all those sort of things. I don't really, not really worried about your opinion. I don't mean to force mine on yours. But there was this sense of what is happening? Who are you? And people were for it. People were dead against it. There was a real battle and it went down. The rulers here are trying to gather together to overthrow what is in place. 
and the king has in, is introduced and the, the rulers are warned in their plots to be stead, be wise, to be sober, how they act. They're basically told to rethink their plans, cease and desist. Instead, they're advised to worship God, to serve him with fear and to make sure they honour God's king. It's a warning to be God's friend, not his foe, to be in a relationship with him. For as a creator, they're warned to recognise his kingship. Now, as you look at this, you realise that Psalm 2 is setting up not just a scenario for kings, but also us. He's setting up a scenario for what is actually happening in our world, the way we respond to God. The truth is we've all responded to God in this same way. I know best. I will do this. And it's only when we come to Jesus that we're brought back to face the King, the Son. It's in our own hearts, not just in this poetic license here of the situation that existed for Israel and its king, but it's also in our, it speaks to our own hearts of how humans respond to the God that made them. And so right at the psalm, beginning of the Psalms is this situation. Last week we were encouraged to follow God and his ways and to stay in his paths. Here we see how the world is set up and we recognise in the world that, that we play a part in it, that my heart is part of this rebellion. I thought I was doing some caricature of someone, these kings are surrounding Israel and there's a truth in that, but actually it's speaking to all of us and to my and to me. God is the one who made us and we are to recognise his kingship. If we do this, we can rejoice. He is our friend. But we need to be careful if we are not. And so the kings are addressed in verses 10 to 12. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun lest he be angry, and you be destroyed in your way, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The kings are advised, we are advised, to pay homage to God's chosen king, to kiss him. The kings cannot divorce, nor can we divorce, nor can our world divorce, the son from God himself, for he is king by God's decree. To rebel against him is to rebel against God, and he has the God's full authority and power. And he has the power to bring us back into line. The nation of Israel, of course, after this time was basically wiped out. 
It was destroyed. People, they were conquered, deported, taken away to lands they did not know, made the servants of their conquerors and oppressors. And many in Israel looked for this king. Who will be the king that will help us and rescue us once again? Who will be the king that enables us to have our rightful place with the God who made us. Those hopes were still alive when a young man who came forth to be baptised by John, a man named John received the cry in Mark 1, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And as you know, he walked and talked and taught he healed, he mixed with outcasts and the orphans, he healed the sick, he was with the poor and the widow, and the, those in power did not like that. He called them hypocrites, he denounced them, and they started to plot against him. A bit like what happens in this psalm. Jesus was eventually brought before these leaders and he was charged with blasphemy. Jesus was asked by in a court, are you the son of God in Luke chapter 22, verse 70, he replies, yes, I am. Now all that would have been nothing except Jesus proved who he was by rising from the dead. He rose because he was the king that God installed. The one that Psalm 2 is looking for and talking about was fulfilled that the prophets also said would come, fulfilled in the person of Jesus. He was nailed to a cross and he was done so for us that this rebellious the penalty for this rebelliousness in our world might be taken upon himself and that his people might go free. And so Peter, speaking in Acts chapter 3, it comes after that bit. Remember that song, uh, Silver and Gold Have I None? Can you sing it? Can you sing it? Silver and gold have I none. But such as give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. That's what's happened. That man has been healed. He's gone walking and leaping in, in the temple. The crowds come. Peter gives this speech. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And by faith... This man whom you now see was made strong. It's in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given him complete healing. As you can see, now that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through all the prophets, saying the Christ would suffer. Repent, turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and that a time of refreshing may come. This is 
what, how God has dealt with our rebellion. The situation of Psalm 2, the wrath of God was at first taken on by himself in the person of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. He did so that, that he might be king of all. And he came to rescue not just Israel, but to all those who would recognise him as God's chosen ruler. So Psalm 2 speaks to our world today and speaks to us as well. It says, return to him, that we might have our rebellion dealt with, that our sins might be wiped away, and that we might be God's friend. God has declared his king, and his king has declared his love for us. You are my friends if you do what I ask. We commit ourselves this year to God and his king, Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we realise that we have been mutineers. We also realise that we are sometimes still doing that. Please forgive us. Please strengthen us. Please give us your spirit that we might recognise your king and live for him this year. We thank you that Jesus rules all. We realise our world is a bit like Psalm 2. They're in war against your king. And yet we know your king has triumphed. And one day this world will be as you want it to be. And because of your grace and love to us, we will be with him because of his love for us. Thank you, Father, that he came to our rescue. Thank you that he gave his life for us. Thank you that by your grace we can know your trusting love and be saved. As we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from every iniquity. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live in your, in your spirit, in the faith that we have come to know this year and always. And we pray for our troubled world that, Lord, it might recognise your King and commit themselves to your ways. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Our last song together.